Good morning, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Book Club with Caden Kelly. Hmm. Today is October 18th, 2021. It's 8.15 in the morning, and uh, we're ready to rock and roll. Um, I... Uh, I don't ever come prepared with anything to say at the beginning, so it's always just a little jumbly, but I'm doing this live. I'm doing this live on Twitch and Facebook and Streamlabs OBS and YouTube. So if you are listening to this not on Monday at 8.15 a.m., then uh, come hang out with me if you want. Fill, uh, send some comments. Contribute to the dialogue. I always I love it. I, I, I get usually... If you've listened to the previous episodes, you'll hear some some of uh, reoccurring names coming back to give some to give to give their, give their thoughts. So, if you want to do that, you're welcome to. Please, by all means. Otherwise, this is always live on, or not live, but it goes up on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts because everyone uses Google Podcasts. Oh, we went to Oktoberfest yesterday. Oktoberfest was a good time. Supposedly, the Oktoberfest that occurs, that happens in Germany, is pretty much a giant drug fest, and everyone gets super drugged out of their minds. (laughs) It's not how this one was. This one was a lot of yodeling, and a lot of beer, for sure a lot of beer. I had a schnitzel. I had a Jaeger schnitzel. It was delicious. Uh, very authentic. I, From what I understand about German culture, it was a really good time. And what else did we do last week? Did an escape room. We uh, we went to this escape room in Washington Terrace. Shout out to Clue In Escape Rooms. We did The Shed. It was uh, supposed to be kind of a spooky one, but it wasn't super spooky. Nothing jumps out at you, but... More of a disturbing theme, I should say. And they, we, we were given sixty minutes to get out, and we got out in ninety minutes. <laughs> because the lady felt bad for us because we had we were struggling so bad to get out. It was way fun. Escape rooms. That was a way fun room. It's the second time I've done one of those. Um, I don't. And then. We, Besides that, we scrub bush all week. We do yoga. We lift weights. I don't really do much else. So thanks for showing up and tuning in. Today, we're going to talk about this new book. I still love doing this, so I don't give a fuck if any of you are listening. But you know what's uh, what's pretty cool is, I think I've said it before, but uh, it's, uh, it's kind of discouraging to post each episode and then to look back at the viewership my the the uh, buzzsprout domain that i use to post all the episodes gives me a total download count for each episode and you know i'm not pulling in huge fat numbers they're actually very small but and that can be discouraging like that could be really just you know who's why is no one listening to my podcast but also i don't do any advertising or marketing and i don't share it and i don't ask anybody to share the podcast so whoever's listening to it, i don't know who the hell you are but i get like the same 
amount of downloads each week. It's a small number. I don't want to share the number because that's not what it's all about. But I get, I get, but it's consistently. It's not like I get zero downloads. I get a, I get a small amount each week, and then you know I get, and then the previous ones, the older episodes, get one or two or three or four every now and then. So people are going back and listening. It's cool. So yeah, this is this whole thing. This is for me, but. So there's there's a handful of you that are coming back each week, and uh, I love it. I love it. So today, today we're going to talk about Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. Hey, oh, I wanted to. Oh, they got. I wanted to read about who Marcus was. So M- Marcus Aurelius was. Uh, well, I'll just tell you his biography. This is a uh, transcription by. Gregory Hayes. Gregory Hayes is an associate professor of classics at the University of Virginia. This book was published, or this rendition was published. Uh, let's see. I just barely got the book. Just barely opened it up in my in my mailbox. Two thousand two. Mashed potatoes. I'm not going to say that. Just kidding. What's up, Chode? Good morning. We're talking about Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. Uh, the book by Ryan Holiday that I just read, Overcoming Obstacles, or what's the, the uh, How to Overcome Obstacles, whatever that one was called. He is the owner of a, of a page on Instagram called Daily Stoic, and he posts quotes by Marcus Aurelius probably every day, several times a day. And other Stoics like Epictetus. Uh, these are, or all of the quotes I think come from this book. So, from what Google told me, this was the Gregory Hayes rendition was the best translation. And I'm kind of bummed because I just noticed that this this one has an introduction to um, the book, gives a little uh, explanation on Stoicism, on. It goes into who Marcus Aurelius was, just from thumbing through the pages a little bit. And the audiobook that I had did not, it didn't have anything like that. It just went straight into the translation, straight into the meditations. So I'll have to go back and read through this, because I'd love to have a little more context to, yeah, see, the meditations, genre, structure, and style. From what I understand, meditations, the 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 text by Marcus is pretty much just his journal. He was writing writing in his journal each day about his thoughts on everything that occurred and uh stoicism from what I understand, stoicism didn't necessarily exist back in the day. Uh th- these early stoics these philosophers pretty much established the genre of philosophy, Stoicism, just based on their branch of philosophy. And you know what? You know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to I'm just going to Google the definition of Stoicism. Oh, don't want to get rid of that tab. That's important. Stoicism. I think I've done I did this last week too or last time. Yeah, the endurance of pain or hardship without the display of feelings and without complaint from Google. 
an ancient Greek, an ancient Greek school of philosophy founded by at Athens by Zeno of Citium. The school taught that virtue, the highest good, is based on knowledge. The wise live in harmony with the divine reason, with divine reason, also identified with fate and providence that governs nature and are identified to the vicissitudes of fortune and to pleasure and pain. What does vicissitudes mean? Inspect? That's not what I want to do. What did I just do to my computer? What does vicissitudes mean? Someone tell me because I'm not going to Google it. Okay, yes, this is a lot that I don't know. It's started in... It's a Greek school of philosophy. I don't know when. When did... Anyway, yeah, I this is purple. As I've totally looked at this before. Anyway, a little bit about Marcus. Marcus Aurelius Antoni- Antoninus. Antoninus succeeded his adoptive father as emperor of Rome in around... Oh, in A.D., 161 and meditations remains one of the greatest works of spiritual and ethical reflections ever written with the profound understanding of human behavior marcus provides insight wisdom and practical guidance on everything from living in the world to coping with adversity to interacting with others consequently the meditations have become required required reading for statesmen and philosophers alike while generations of other readers have responded to the straightforward intimacy of the style Ah, I read that sentence wrong. In Gregory Hayes' new translation, the first in a generation, Marcus's thoughts speak with new immediacy. Never before have they been so directly and powerfully presented. Oh, vicissitude. A change of circumstances or fortune, typically one that is unwelcome or unpleasant. So... A change of circumstance or fortune. Uh, divine reason are indifferent to the vicissitudes of fortune and pleasure. And to pleasure and pain. That's, yeah. Thank you. It's a little hazy for me. I'm going to put my brain on, into that. Change of circumstances. It's just, yeah. Cha- okay. Changes circumstances of fortune and pleasure and pain. Okay. All right. Whatever. <laughs> Thank you. All right. So the book, that's Marcus Aurelius. He was at one point the most powerful man on the on the planet, being the emperor of Rome. And I think he came after Julius Caesar. I don't get it either. I think he came after Caesar. I think he mentioned Caesar, actually. But he was towards the end of the, uh, if, I, if I remember, he w- his life came towards the end of the Roman Empire. He was one of the last emperors. Whatever. I don't know. I don't fucking know. Okay, so here is uh, the book. The book is broken up into 12 books or chapters. And it's kind of... In in the audiobook, it's just read straightforward, but as I as I thumb through it again, it's kind of broken into verses or um, what was the word that uh, uh what was the word that they used to describe the 
verses in the Yoga Sutras. Anyway, it's pretty much broken up into verses. I forgot that. I forgot that word too. God damn, it's all right. So, I'll just go into it. I I took notes from each uh, from. Well, I just wrote down the my the most inspiring or the uh, or the deepest ones for me, the ones that I caught. And to be honest, the first few books, I was like. I was <laughs> I was dissuaded to uh engage cuz it was just like the yoga sutra so after I got about halfway through and I was like oh this is actually really good I had to start it over uh so um yeah there's there's they're not listed or they're not named the the chapters the books but I'll just read I'll just read what I wrote I took some direct quotes. Um, the whole, pretty much the whole book revolves around death. And in the, you know, in 100 AD, 161 AD, uh, there was no, there was no great understanding of, of the sciences. There was just, people lived and died and there was religion and I, I i try to imagine what it would be like to live back then the whole i think the whole point that a lot of this meditation was to just be okay with dying we don't know what's going to happen and we we believe in the, these gods and he meant, makes lots of references to zeus so the greek gods and he uh he shows reverence to them, but then he's also says pain and it's a very, it's actually pretty striking how similar meditations is to the yoga sutras about suffering and pain and death and oneness of mind and soul and being able to, in, to endure all things. That's pretty crazy how, how tightly knit those two, these two schools of thoughts are uh, uh so from meditations really the the overall theme is everybody's gonna die you're gonna die i'm gonna die and we don't really amount to anything we think we have so we think we have so much significance in our life now because we're alive and we are experiencing the world as it is and our life is just our experiences but they're in our case there are billions of other people that are going through the exact same, not the exact same experiences, but they're all having experiences as well. And I think I've said this before too. The uh, what's what's crazy to me or what's funny to me is there there's a trend on TikTok or there was a trend on TikTok about how about like like who's the main character like this person's the main character. I, that's it's a stupid trend, but it was a trend. And I think I think I've thought about that. We all I think I'm the main character of this of the story because I am only experiencing my my things as one person. And but everybody else is also living their life and they are their own main character. So I am my main character and everyone else around me is a part of my plot, but to them I'm a part of their plot. 
It's really weird. It's, or it's, or it's an interesting thought. We all have, we all live life. We all have experiences. We all have good and bad experiences. And to most other people, well, to everyone else, you are just a character in their story. So back to this book, he says, we're all, the, the overall theme is everyone's going to die. And you don't hold any inherent significance as an individual, but a part of the group. We all are. We all we all live and die together. So we so part of it is uplifting each other, living for each other and also being comfortable with your circumstances, because when you die, you may. Yes, there's he uh, your family may grieve for you. Your loved ones will grieve for you. But then he says, eventually, they're going to die, too. Eventually. Everybody dies, and there's a that's that's the that's the bottom line. And then once, eventually, your name just fades into nothing. And he says, "Don't be afraid, because don't be afraid. You can't imagine the amount of time that's passed before your existence. You can also you also won't be able to imagine the amount of time that will pass after your existence. So if you weren't remembered for the hundreds of thousands of years before your life." You probably won't be remembered for the next hundreds of thousands. It's deep thoughts. Deep thoughts about the about life, purpose of life. And even still with I, I don't know how much how much uh he go he doesn't really go into religious thought or philosophy or, or teachings. He mentions reverence to Zeus and the gods and their their power over the world but he doesn't really he doesn't say anything about heaven or at least i didn't catch anything about heaven or uh afterlife or anything like that really he really emphasized the fact that when you die on this planet your name will just eventually be forgotten and then and be comfortable with that be happy with that all right so that's pretty much the theme of the book I understand that's mostly daunting, a um, uh, scary, daunting thought, but that I kind of like, I, I'm really attracted to that mindset that there is no real inherent significance in our lives or in anything that happens because, well, because the only way that there is significance or to prove a significance is to, is to prove that there is some existential being that created us intentionally that that gives us inherent purpose or reason uh as long as we're only speculating about those things or religion and faith are just beliefs then it's then we can create our own purpose through our belief and through our faith uh but i i really i i find comfort knowing that it's either we either all have a purpose or we all don't have a purpose and if we all don't have a purpose, the the idea is we get to create our own purpose. We get to decide what's important to us and how we're going to live our lives. Because if there really is, if there really is an over overseeing all powerful being or creation creator, then they would have created us with an intention to do something or to accomplish something. And anyway, if that's what you believe, that will give you purpose. That's why I think religions are great in a lot of ways, because a lot of people who are purposeless, who feel hopeless, can find hope and find purpose uh, through religion. 
So in uh, I made a, I took a quote from book two. Marcus said, "Since all things in life, including life, come to an end, let philosophy be your principal guide." I'm telling you, this is it's all about it's pretty much all about death. Uh, I said, "Wait for death cheerfully, for death is natural, and all things that are natural are good." Oh no, that's what Marcus said. I didn't say that. Wait for death cheerfully. Death is natural, and all things that are natural are good. From book four, I wrote, men do wrong involuntarily. Rational animals are to tolerate them, for this is a part of justice. Yeah, and then I thought it's. I thought about how uh, maybe they do, and I don't know this because I'm a nitwit, but I don't think animals hold grudges against each other. I do know that animals get mad and they experience emotions, but I think about when I, my brothers lived here, and we had our all of the dogs together. There were we had three dogs here at one time, and the little Schnauzer was the protector of these two labs because he was just uh, he just took it upon himself. This little this little rat of a dog that I love so much, and any time a strange person or a strange dog would approach the labs, Bailey would get super defensive. And then he like do he would do alpha male stuff like bite the bite their ears and their hind legs and stuff. He Bailey was a savage. But what I'm saying anytime Bailey got mad at the dogs or mad at people or other animals, I I never it doesn't seem like animals hold a grudge. They'll probably just they probably just learned that well, Bailey's kind of a dickhead or he's super aggressive. And so what, whatever, but do I do? I, I don't know. Do animals hold grudges? Like, do they, do they wallow <laughs> and think about how one of their, one of the animals in the house has wronged them or shit in their corner or took their toy? Like, yeah. Like if you take, if Bailey were to steal their toys, it's not like Dixie would uh, like, doesn't want to talk to Bailey anymore. He, she gets pissed and wants the toy back, but once you know, I take the toy away, and then they're friends again. I, I don't know. Humans hold grudges. That's what I'm. That's what I'm trying to say. Humans hold grudges because of probably because of our deep intellect, but we're. It's not a. It's doesn't serve us in any way to hold grudges. But it is. It does serve us to learn the about qualities of other people. So when Marcus says men do wrong involuntarily. This, that's also a reoccurring theme. Since all all people are uh, are made, we're all we're all conceived the same way through nature, from our mothers, and therefore we're natural. And all natural things are good. That's another that's another theme. All natural things that occur or that are are inherently good, and a person can't it cannot do wrong intentionally or or uh, maybe that's not the right way to say it all wrongdoing is involuntary and uh anyway it's good though i actually don't really know where i'm going with this thought maybe just don't hold grudges because grudges don't serve us but learn character character judgments of other people uh from book four he also says possessions cannot touch the soul uh yeah, possessions do not make us happy, but em- but the emotion uh, emotional attachment to these I- items. 
This is a, another connection to the Yoga Sutras. We need to deny cravings for all possessions that are not necessary to sustain life. Deeper happiness, independence, and freedom comes from craving very little or very few things. Deeper happiness, independence, and true freedom comes from craving very little or needing very little. Do not hold value to life. Look at the amount of time that has passed and look at the time ahead of you. Then he says, what is the difference between living three more days and living three more generations? Yeah. Don't be afraid to die. Um, uh, memento. No, that's not. Uh, oh, shit. What's the phrase? Meditate on your mortality. Shit. There's a phrase for it. Memento mort. Uh, fuck. God damn it. It's so good too. meditate on your death. Don't be afraid to die. That's that's the that's the philosophy. Uh, if you're going to what difference does it make from living one more day or 10 more days or 10 more years or 100 more years? Because eventually you still will die. So if you're going to die tomorrow, or you're going to die in 100 years. You should still be a good person and do do the things that are most important to you. Boom. Memento Mori. Is it Memento Mori? Son of a bitch. I got to Google this too. Yeah. Yeah. Memento Mori. I had it. Oh. Memento Mori is an artistic or symbolic trope acting as a reminder of the inevitability. Inevitability. (laughs) Am I saying that right? Of death. The concept has its roots in the philosophers of classic antiquity and Christianity and appeared in funerary art and architecture from the medieval period onwards. Memento Mori. All right. I'm going to keep going. Book five. (laughs) Mash Pajedo says, Memento Mori would be a great name for a boy. It's mem, it's, m e m e, n t o n t o, memento memento, <laughs> memento mori. It's also two words, memento space m o r i. So, meditate on your death, Langston. There you go. Book five. All animals wake up each day and have to work. Wake up each day ready to work and love it for work is at the center of human nature. This is an interesting too. Being the being an emperor, being the, the most powerful man on the planet at the time, he talks about how waking up, again, this is just him writing in a journal. He says, uh, sometimes I wake up and it's cold outside and I'm under my under my blankets and I don't want to get up and then he writes but all animals must work to survive all animals contribute to their tribes or to their to their um, packs they wake up and they have to hunt and they have to nurture and nourish each other and socialize and all of this and he says it's sleep is imperative we have to sleep but we also have to work. We have to get up. And, and so he says, get up and be ready to work every day. 
And this is the emperor. This is a man who probably doesn't ha- wouldn't have to lift a finger for the rest of his time as emperor for probably his life. And he says it's good to wake up and to work and to be ready to work because all animals work and it's natural. It's normal. So uh, I wrote a following note. Marcus talks about the love dancers have for dancing and artists have for art. Yeah, oh, yeah. So he, so I think I, uh, so I guess part of the work that he's talking about, it's it's not, don't kill yourself. He's talking about things that you're passionate about. I said work in this instant instance isn't mundane but it's our passions so get to work on your passions and get to work get to get just get to work but don't be a slave but also slaves don't have a choice ah, this coffee's so good book seven. Oh, new f- oh look at that that's pretty cool kevin ho is fo- is now following thank you kevin what's up Kevin Ho. <laughs> We're talking about meditations by Marcus Aurelius. Uh, book five. I've already been going 35 minutes. It's awesome. I'm going to just, I'll just keep going. Book five. All animals. Oh, no. Book seven. Why are we afraid of change? Nothing could be accomplished without change. You could not take a bath without the wood undergoing change. So welcome change. That's a, that's a, why are we afraid of change? Because change happens in all things and on all places. Wood, uh, the wood must undergo change to be burned, to create a bath. This is how you took a bath in 161 AD. Uh, yep. Change changes. My, my grandma always says the only, the most consistent thing in life is change. That's a direct quote from from the queen bee and uh it's i know change is daunting and i what's funny is i think humans are inherently well what's true is we love routines i love routines i love getting into a good routine i'm in an awesome routine right now waking up early exercising before work working and then relaxing and writing and playing games after work Spending more quality time with the people in my life, gotten rid of my social media stuff. I've made, I have made changes, but now I'm in a really good routine. And there are still things that happen. There are still things every day where I'm like, I can tweak this to make my routine better, or to just to be happier, or to be more successful, or to be healthier. And there, like things like, um, my. I could clean up my dinners. My dinners still aren't perfect every night. And I have a lot we have a lot of Halloween candy that I snack on all night. And I still have TikTok. I can't, you know, I like I still have some social media. So I still find myself scrolling on social media. It's way it happens way less than it used to. So it's a huge improvement. But I every time I open social media, I'm like I I can just get rid of it entirely. So there's so change. I think change is inherently hard, but right change, correct change is good. I guess change with inti- with the right intention is is thumbs up. Ch- change with the right intention is thumbs up. 
That's what Marcus says. Why are we afraid of change? Book eight. Happiness comes from doing what nature requires. Okay, he, he went down a little chain right here. And I tried. Re- I listened to this maybe a dozen times to catch everything that he said. Because if someone talks about how to make how to be happy, I want to make sure I get the note right. Kevin Hall every says, "Me every day. Why change when everything is okay?" So really, that's actually a really good point, point. and that's exactly what I mean. So, so, yeah. Before okay, but before I go into this book, eight, that's a really good point because why change when everything is okay? I don't. I don't really don't have an excellent reason why why you should because especially in the world we live today i think everything is well obviously we have more food than we've than that has ever been available than before the most clean water accessible for people we have electricity we have houses we have clothes we have cars we have all of we have technology um we have so many good things and we can and part of Kevin, you should go listen to, I don't know if you've listened to my other podcast, but you should go listen to uh, one I did a a couple months ago. Ooh, what was it called? It was by a lady. Oh, it was called Do Nothing by Celeste Headley. It, It talks about how we've come into a world that is pretty much run by capitalism with innovation, and we're getting a bunch of really awesome gadgets like phones and computers. We get amazing innovation, and it's being shoved in our face, and we become consumers of all of these things. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. That's just the world we live in. We, we are just massive consumers. I think the, the issue that comes from this is being too consumed in all of, our, all of the things. We become too consumed in our technology, social media, video games, or whatever, whatever your vices are. Right. And you can be consumed in good things like I'm consumed in exercise. I'm consumed in doing yoga. But you can, those being overly consumed in anything can be a negative. So the, so why change when everything is OK? That's a really, really good question. I don't even I don't even know what the answer is, but I do know the best the best thing that we can do for ourselves is constantly seek improvement. Everything might be okay, but everything can always be better, and every and it'll be an, that will be an endless ladder to climb. So it, at some point, you'd need to find satisfaction in your routine or whatever, what have you. If you're happy, you should be happy, but you can always seek more happiness or whatever. Or I guess rather, if you're sad or if you have things that are hurt hurting you or harming you, you should be able to f- recognize them and remove them from your life. So why change when everything is okay? I don't know. You probably probably don't. You probably don't. <laughs> That's a really good question. And I don't even know if you were asking for my dialogue. I think you were just making the point. I appreciate it, but I think it's an I think it's an excellent point. Uh, cons- I think it's for, at least for me. I I strive for improvement in all areas of my life. And if I if I notice something that is bringing me down, this the small changes to improve those situ- those things is is good. I also think part of what Marcus is saying is we are afraid of change our in our environment of things that change around us. Like a big change that we're all undergoing right now is the pandemic. 
our change went from our norm changed from hanging out and doing whatever we did to huge a huge push for social distancing masks vaccines huge changes huge changes and we are i think just as animals inherently uncomfortable with change so we learning to be okay with like like if your house burnt down or something tragic it would be a really sucky thing but change just happens and then part of that kind of experience part of that change is learning how to be content with the events that occur and learning from them and potentially using them to work for your benefit. So yeah, maybe 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 I'm looking at it the wrong way about introspective change whereas Marcus is talking about outward change. It's a that's a really good point. Learn to be content with the with the changes that occur in your life that are out of your control. A lot of things that happen to us are out of our control. And the best thing that we can do for ourselves is learn to be okay with it and potentially let it all work in our favor. Thanks for that comment, dude. Appreciate it. I'm going to move on. Book eight. <sighs> Happiness comes from doing what nature requires. He says, so what do we do? Have principles which come from your emotions and actions. These principles are those that relate to good and bad. The belief that there is nothing good for you that does not make you just temperate or free. And that there is nothing bad which does not do the contrary. Okay, I'm going to read that again because it still kind of doesn't make sense to me. Happiness comes from doing what nature requires. Which is have principles which come from your emotions and your actions. These principles are those that relate to good and bad, the belief that there is nothing good for you that does not make you just temperate or free, and that there is nothing bad which does not do the contrary. <laughs> Mash Pajedo says, I should learn to make good comments like Kevin Ho instead of trying to crack jokes in the chat. Yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. You just got you just got shit on by Kevin Ho. He came here with some real insight, but you did also help me with vicissitude earlier, so you're doing all right. But you do crack a lot of jokes. <laughs> okay, that pr the this happiness doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But but if I if I were to try to break it down, I would say happiness comes from if happiness comes from doing what nature requires. I would say. Um. All of the things that occur, all of the good things that occur in our life are what's natural. And I, I don't know, the, the first things that come to my head are, are reproducing and eating and exercising and socializing. I think the, like, those are human, human natural tendencies to reproduce, to socialize, to hunt and to eat food back in the day i don't know so and all of those things all of the all of those natural things are inherently good for us i think that's what he's trying to say all right i'm not going to spend too much time on it i did make a lot of notes for these last few last couple books so i'm just going to i'm going to try to go through them quick holy crap it's been 45 minutes what have i been talking about this whole time 
Ah. <clears throat> you do not have leisure and opportunity to read, but you have leisure and opportunity to check arrogance and to be superior to pain and pleasure. Yeah, you may not have access to material, to education, but you do have op- the opportunity to check your own arrogance and to be superior to your own pains and pleasures. That's all internal. You have control over yourself. You may not have e- you may not have access to all the information around you, but you have the ability to check your own arrogance to say, I don't know, or to say, I want I need to learn more about this. Everything has a purpose. So what is your purpose? To enjoy pleasure? That's a quote. That's a direct quote. See if common sense will allow this. Pain is an evil to the body or to the soul. But the soul has the power to be at serenity through pain. This is another aspect that I took from Yoga Sutras. Where when you achieve this state of true mindfulness where you live in your mind where you live in your uh, soul, then your body just becomes a vessel for your soul. And when you live in your, your, when you live in your soul, when your mind is connected to your soul, you kind of become detached. And all the things that occur to your body don't happen to you as, a, as your soul. They just occur to your body. You become a witness to the events that are happening. So, uh, the soul has the body may be harmed and the pain may be excruciating, but the soul has the ability to endure this pain. The soul will live on. The body may be in so much pain and die, but the soul will go on. It's another connection to Yoga Sutras. Uh, let's see. Receive wealth and prosperity without arrogance, and you will be ready to part with them with equal composure. It's how it's the, I think it's so awesome how wise how someone in a position like Marcus is able to say something like this. Be ready receive wealth and prosperity without arrogance and you'll be ready to part with them with equal composure. There are no virtues that oppose justice, but one does oppose pleasure and that is temperance. Oh yeah, and I looked this up in temperance Temperance is temperance in its modern use is defined as moderation or voluntary voluntary self-restraint. It is typically described described in terms of what an oh my goodness gracious. It is typically described in terms of what an individual voluntarily refrains from doing. This includes restraint from revenge, practicing nonviolence and forgiveness, restraint from arrogance. So all virtues There are no virtues that oppose justice, but there is one that does oppose pleasure, and that one is temperance. I thought that was wise. All experiences that occur to humans are natural, good and bad, and to each other thing, it's proper nature. Like, you can't offend a stone. That's that's a note I made. So why should we come? Oh, I see. Yeah, all all the things that occur to a human are natural to that human's environment. And all things that occur to a stone is natural to that stone's environment and or to any other animal or to any other thing. So our our circumstances or our pains and pleasures don't necessarily translate to 
other things, to other objects, to other animals. Like to plants. Plants can't be offended. But humans get offended. (laughs) So why should we complain about any event? Suffering from an event comes from our judgment of the event. Yeah, this is deep. Suffering from an event comes from our judgment of the event. If we can if we can improve our critical thinking, our reasoning, and our judgment, our our judgmental decisions, we can learn that all the events that occur to us, most of them are out of our control, and we become we be, we can become wise enough to experience these things and to not let them affect us negatively. Kevin, the book is called Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. Yeah, if you came in, if you came here late, I talked about it a little bit earlier. But Marcus Aurelius was a Roman emperor in 161 AD and he wrote in his journal all of these thoughts. And if you don't know much about me or this podcast, I read a bunch of books and I write down the things that inspire me the most and talk about them as best as I can through my stuttering and my coffee. So all of these thoughts are his, are just him as an emperor or as a soon-to-be emperor writing them into his journal, which later become pub- became published as Meditations. It's an awesome book, dude. Recommend. Okay. I'm going to keep going. Book nine which is chapter nine. Each chapter is listed as book one, book two. I'm sure it might just be different, his different journal books. I don't know. Book nine. Uh, Let's see. He who assigns pleasure as good and pain as evil is guilty of impiety. If you wish to follow nature, if you wish to follow nature should be of the same Dude, I suck at making notes. If you wish to follow nature, you should be at the same mind with it. Again, I think that's all events occur to us. They are what they are, good and evil, good and bad. But we should not as, as, we should not prescribe or we should not assign pleasure as good and pain as bad. We should take all events that occur to us. And this is another this is another I'm going to say it it's another connection to the Yoga Sutras. All the things that occur to us are just events. And we feel, because we're animals and we have chemical reactions to all the things that happen to us, we feel pleasure and we feel pain. And we chase pleasure and we run away from pain. <clears throat> or we hide it or we don't, we, we, don't, we don't want pain. But pain is just a reaction or it's just a reaction of, of our environment. So is pleasure. We eat yummy food, it's we just our brain is going off. But the food is actually nourishing to our bodies. And pain, when someone chops our hand off, sucks. We don't want people to chop our hands off because our hands are useful. But also at the same time, pleasure can be abused, just like like a sex addict or a, eating too much food. You can abuse the pl- pleasure to become a vice. And then a pain, pain can be beneficial. Like exercise. Exercise is breaking your muscles down, which is painful. It's hard. It's a hardship. Uh, pain also looks like address, uh, uh, addressing or approaching your fears because we want to naturally resist our, our fears. 
but we have the most of us have the comfort of addressing our fears like talking to a girl that you want to or go or going to school going to going to get a degree in something so all pain and pleasure are not inherently good or bad they're just they're just events or processes of our chemical reactions in our brain all people you meet are inherently friends for the gods aid them in their journey as they do you. Ooh, he says, if there is a god, all is well. And if chance rules, are you not also governed by it? Either there's a god that that is uh either there's a god that's taking care of us, or there is no god, and we're all ruled by chance. But just because there is no god doesn't mean we have no freedom. We're all that's that's a philosophical point. Uh, he says, if the gods have no power, why do you pray to them? If they do have power, why do you not pray for the faculty to have no fear, no desires, or be pained by anything? Why do you instead pray for these things to not happen at all or to receive your desires? I, I, I'm guilty probably my entire life as a, as a Mormon to pray for things to pray for things to come my way or to pray that things don't happen to me but he says to, to do pretty much the exact opposite instead of praying for things not to happen or for things to happen he says pray for the ability to have no fear the faculty to have no fear or pray that to have no desires or to not be pained by anything that way anything that will happen to us because if there is a god he's he he has a plan and he's or you know things just ha are going to happen anyway according to his will so we when these things happen we should not have we should not be mad or sad that they occurred we should instead look for the guidance to deal with these things pray for strength and pray for the faculty for no fear Are you not content with doing right for the sake of doing right? Just as the eyes do not seek reward for seeing or the feet for walking, do good and you are behaving according to your own nature. That's book nine. Book ten. I made one note. We are made to bear everything we consider bearable. Good soup. Book eleven. It's book 11 and book 12, and I'm done. It's been 57 minutes. It's crazy. Oh, that's good coffee. <clears throat> okay. If you are wronged or offended, consider these nine points. What is my relation to this person? Consider what kind of person they are. At table, in bed, and how much they are under compulsion, under the opinions, and with what pride they have in their actions. <clears throat> That's point two. Point three. If they do write, we should be pleased. If they do not write, we should believe it is involuntary and under ignorance. Consider you do many things wrong as well. Consider you do not understand when someone is intentionally doing wrong or not. That's so true. Six, 
consider you are grieved that life is short and we are all four. <laughs> Dude, I suck at making notes. Life is short and we are all four. Well, I don't even know what I was trying to say right there. So I'll just say point six is consider we are grieved and that life is short. Seven, consider the acts don't disturb us. It is our opinions of these actions. Consider the actions don't disturb us. It is our opinions of the actions that do. And I said, take to take away your opinions, understand no wrongdoing from another being. Another brings shame on you. No wrongdoing from another brings shame on you. It's true. When you are wronged, you're not directly shamed. It's your, it's your reaction to it. Point eight. Consider how much more harm is done by responding with vexation or frustration or retaliation. And last point. Consider a good disposition is invincible if it is genuine. And this makes you think of a story about Marcus. And I'll tell it briefly because I can't believe we're already at an hour. Marcus, being the emperor, was towards the end of his life, was um, was wronged by one of his friends or by like a chief associate or something, someone high up in the government and uh, just like outright outright betrayal. Had gathered an army and was going to storm Rome or wherever Marcus was and take the throne from Marcus. And uh, the war got back to Marcus, and Marcus says, capture him, but do not harm him. And eventually, Marcus got the guy, and he says, I will have no harm done to him, and I have forgiven him, and we will protect, we'll act as if this never happened, and this is, this is good within me. But I think before that happened, he died from, some, from an assassination or something. But, so Marcus was grieved because he never got to formally talk to this guy about about the betrayal and to forgive him for it. Marcus was grieved because he couldn't forgive his friend who had outright betrayed him. This is the kind of character that this man was. And that's why this book is superb. Uh, okay. Being moved by passion is not manly. Gentleness and mildness are more agreeable to human nature. And then book 12. Why do we put more value in others' opinions of ourselves than our own opinion of ourselves? No man is hindered by another. Everything is opinion. And then he ends the book with this. Either, either there is fate or kind providence or confusion without purpose. He says, if there is fate, why do we resist it? If there is kind providence, which I would take kind providence to be God or Mother Nature or just like a divine plan. If there is kind providence, make yourself worthy for their assistance. And if there is only confusion without purpose, be content that you have in yourself your governing intelligence. It's beautiful. All right, overall principle or overall theme for the book, everyone's going to die. There's nothing we can do about it. Your name, and he says even for himself as the, 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 that's kind of funny because his name is on a book, so his memory still lives, 
but Marcus isn't around. That being said, everyone dies and everyone is soon forgotten. And your influence or your power can only stretch so far until it is gone. Everyone dies. Either there's a God or there's not a God. In any case, we should accept the things that happen to us and we should, we should be in a strong disposition. What was that last point? Consider a, uh, a good disposi- disposition is invincible if it is genuine. Against all the things that occur to us. Uh, Pain and pleasure are metaphors for our mind. And all events that occur are natural. And they all will serve, serve us to some extent. It's our reaction to these events that determine whether they are good or bad for us. But being wronged or being betrayed is a natural. That's, that's, why, the, that's why that story or why Marcus this is so cool to me. He was wronged, not because of anything he did, but he was betrayed by his friend, which is a natural event that occurs uh, among humans. And he chose forgiveness and patience instead of retaliation or anger. Uh, It's a great book. That's all I got. That's all I got to say. That's where we're going to end it today. So, uh, yeah, again, Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. This this uh, translation was by Gregory Hayes. I'm going to have to go through the introduction again and get my uh, kind of wrap it all together. So I'm going to take a I'm going to take a little bit of a direction, different direction for the next week's book. Uh, just up another stem that we've gone before. I've already got a, I've already know what we're going to do, but I don't want to spoil it. So. Please come back if you'd like this podcast, you'd like the content. Uh, we do it live. Fuck it, we do it live. Mondays, 8 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. And it's live. Spotify. Whoops. It's live on Twitch, YouTube, Facebook. And I think Buzzsprout hosts it live. And then it's all I post it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and google podcast and it's under if it's not under cadence podcast it might be under book club i don't know if the name changed with the picture but i don't know or i don't know if i changed the name with the picture so cadence podcast or book club kevin ho thanks for your awesome questions today thanks for showing up mashed potatoes a real one from the beginning of time appreciate you guys so yeah, why do we change? I don't know, but just be just accept the change that occurs around us and try to use it as fuel to motivate you to do good for the rest of for the rest of your life, for all of the decisions you make. Just I think the 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 point is accept the life that you the hap, that you live, the things that happen to you. That's what a stoic does. Through suffering, through pain, they accept their the events that are, occur to them. They use it as fuel and they get through it and they make good decisions. Going to check out your stuff on Spotify. That's what I like to hear, man. All right. Have a good week, everyone. Next week we'll be here. And uh, if you want to reach out, you could, I guess you could message me on the stream, but you can find me on Instagram or or, uh, Twitter. They're right. I put them right here for you, baby. So, all right. Have a good one. We'll talk to you next week. 